From a wide range of embroidery classes to talks and special events, Royal School of Needlework's International Summer School offers so much. Immerse yourself in the world of the RSN with its world-renowned tuition and treat yourself to this Festival of Stitch in July and August 2024. The Royal School of Needlework is offering four ways to get involved this year. You can join the International Summer School on-site at Hampton Court Palace and at the Royal School of Needlework Durham in the UK, as well as Lexington, Kentucky in the United States of America. There are also online classes available live so students can join in anywhere from around the world. There's a wonderful variety of techniques to explore for those who are starting out on their hand embroidery journey all the way through to advanced stitches. So whether you want to follow a kit-based design, explore your own creativity using your own materials in a more contemporary way, or focus on developing your personal design skills, there will be a class that appeals to you. The Royal School of Needlework International Summer School classes will provide experienced stitchers with an opportunity to engage in a longer or more advanced project while allowing those newer to the world of hand embroidery to try a shorter course to build and develop their skills. The full list of classes and more information about the Royal School of Needlework International Summer School is available at royal-needlework.org.uk with special offers for booking multiple classes and an early bird booking price available until the 29th of February 2024. Whether you're planning on attending in person, online, or a combination of the two, this is a fantastic opportunity to improve your stitching skills from one of the best schools in the world. Ruth Norbury is a Swansea-based embroidery artist whose hand-embroidered mixed-media pieces explore themes including urban decay, loneliness, and post-apocalyptic settings. Ruth's journey has been an amazing one to become an artist. It's been a lifelong passion of hers, needlework. And in this second part of our conversation, as well as talking about her favourite band, her favourite book, her favourite film, we also touch on Ruth's personal insecurities about moving forward as an artist. And it's a really interesting insight into someone who, despite feeling as though she's not good enough to put the work out there, is pushing past her own boundaries we have this conversation at a pivotal moment where Ruth actually submitted some work for a group exhibition for the first time and it's great to talk through those feelings the feelings of doubt that we all have when we put ourselves out there and how Ruth is not only facing those fears head-on but moving through them slowly but surely it's a little bit of a therapy session but nothing too major in this episode um, but it's just great to chat to Ruth and I'm so proud that she's moving forward with this work that is clearly the work she's been put here to do. I hope you enjoy the show. If you do like the show, be sure to listen to the first part of our conversation if you haven't already. Tune in next week for a conversation with a different artist. And if you have the time to leave a review on your favourite podcasting platform, well, that would be swell. I'll see you next time. Enjoy the show. I can remember, so me and my wife moved to Cheshire the week before lockdown, March 2020. So we moved here and then we didn't really know anybody and it was just us and the kids in the house and stuff. But one of the things I can really remember was going for a walk in the woods. And because nobody, no planes were flying, any of that sort of stuff, like the birds, I can just remember birds going absolutely nuts though, just for like being, yeah. and it was, it was that feeling of like the world had fundamentally changed. 
you know, and you'd mm. hear the stories of like the the canals in Venice, people seeing like fish swimming through them and all those sorts of things. And in a way, there's a beauty to be found in all that, isn't there? Because you're like, oh, we've managed to unscrew up what humans have kind of screwed up. And I guess maybe that's part of the thing that you're exploring as well. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I try. Obviously, it's not that easy, but you try and minimize the impacts that you have on the world. Mm-hmm. So pretty much everything that I use in my work is all from a charity shop. It's all clean, I hasten to add. But, it, you know, you just don't want to kind of make the problems worse. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be part of why this work is um, based around a lot of these themes is that you kind of, you can feel like you're not alone. Of course you're not, but it's very easy to go out and do all of these things and buy, you know, I'd much rather go off to, I don't know, Hobbycraft or other shops are available <laughs> <laughs> or wherever and just blow all my all the money on random miscellaneous embroidery stuff. But I don't do it because I don't want to. Mm. Um, you know, you go and buy your vegetables in the market and try and uh, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to be all something I'm not. But You're allowed to speak your truth, though, because I'm in the same boat. Like me and me and my wife, like. I like sometimes to be able to go and talk about potatoes to a person that's grown the potatoes I'm about to eat, you know? It's much nicer. There's a little bit of, it is amazing. There's never been a better time to be alive in terms of choice. But sometimes when you buy some figs and you realize they come from Madagascar about two weeks ago, there's something there that just feels maybe it's not quite the way it ought to be. Exactly, yes. That whole thing that, I, I, I don't know if this is true, but somebody once told me that asparagus was used to be available for two weeks a year. Now you can probably buy it all year. Yeah, And yeah. strawberries in, in January and you think, no, 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 no. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> strawberries was ever. It seems kind of cool to be like, hey, we managed to get strawberries from the other side of the world. But actually, yeah, you're like, yeah, just because we can do that, should we do that? I agree with you. It's like that's why satsumas are important at Christmas because you can't get them. You know, that was like a kind of novelty thing, wasn't it? And now you just get easy. Pe- Don't get me started on easy peelers. Like they're not even satsumas; <laughs> they're just called easy peelers. It's like they've been bred to be easily peeled. Very. Yeah, we can't say satsumas anymore. Someone's probably copyrighted yeah, it or trademarked yeah, yeah. it or whatever. But, but I think there's a thing. It's almost like there's a nostalgia. I was thinking about the arts and crafts movement for a second there and about how, like, you know, that was all about reinforcing the importance of nature and, you know, make reminding us of our place in the world. And I suppose there's a certain resonance with what you're saying about that. Mm. Like, I mean, for example... You could go to the library and you could pick up a book, for example, and you take it home, you read your book, or you could get your Kindle out, um, to, um, give the book five minutes. Oh, I can't be bothered because you've got access to most of the books in the world, probably. Um, and you think you, you don't give something the chance anymore because you can't then go back to the library until tomorrow. You either stick out the book that might be a bit duff and you carry on with it or rather than just what we call it's, it's become a a thing now that the 20 minute rule if you're watching a film and you realize you stay you're saying this and you think the 20 minute rule is um if neither of us enjoying this after 20 minutes off it goes mm. whereas you used to go down to the video shop and you'd come back with your video in hand and your cake or whatever it was your takeaway and and ha you've got your your evening planned out and it might not be the best film in the world but it's the one you've got <laughs> yeah and i think there's a certain sort of calm that comes from that 
rather than um, oh, let's get on Netflix or Amazon or whatever. And, oh, oh no, no, I'm not enjoying that. Oh no, what about this? Oh, I've got I could choose from any of these thousands of programs. Oh, I don't know which one to choose. Will it be the best one? Will it be great? Mm. Do you find that life? Do you find do you find life overwhelming? Yes, a lot of it. Yes, yes. But it's very easy to get sucked into the. Um, having all of these things so um we've we've cancelled any of the kind of netflixy subscriptions and that kind of stuff because of for that very reason but it's quite difficult to then go into a charity shop and buy a weird dvd and go oh, it's not very good really hmm, never mind <laughs> because you've then had the experience yeah. of netflix oh it's just got everything mm. and you it's difficult to go back sometimes but do you find then that the inherently analog slowness of doing needlework is a good therapy, therapeutic tool, kind of? Yes, definitely. And then, of course, you, you face the giant fear of taking this beautiful, well, I say beautiful, this pristine piece of embroidery and then throwing ink all over it. <laughs> You've got a week's worth of work sort of sat there going, hello, I'm, I'm all you know pristine and i'm absolutely fine at the moment there's nothing wrong with me so why are you why are you approaching me with a paintbrush full of black ink yeah <laughs> how many times did you do that before you were like all right i feel like i'm confident enough to like throw stuff at this how many pieces have i made so far <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> now the one i'm doing at the moment as well is uh, is particularly big and uh yeah that's 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 not going to be a fun day. <laughs> well, it will, but it'll be a, ooh, a cup of tea and a biscuit before you start. <laughs> because what you're doing is you're making a thing and then you're really just like having to surrender this whole thing, aren't you? I was thinking about like when I interviewed Kaz Holmes and she was talking about working with found objects, you know, you start from this point of going, I don't really know what's going to happen, but I'm just going to go ahead with it anyway. With your work, obviously, you do know what's going to happen for the first half of it because of the precision of the stitching. Do you have an end point in mind or is there a certain bit where it's just like free fall? You're going to go, right, we're just going to go into free fall now. Best of luck, everybody. Let's see what happens on the end. It's a bit of both. It's best to have a kind of idea of what you want. But if you think about it too much, the ink doesn't listen and it always wanders off into places it's not supposed to be. So the only way I can think to get over it is to basically think, as I again say in things like videos and stuff, is, is that there will be bits that go wrong. There will be bits where the ink wanders all in unintentional places. And in which case, beads, sticky things, applique, cover it all up, it'll all be fine. Right. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. Because I guess that's it, isn't it? Is you can just keep layering and layering and layering until... Do you do that until you feel a point of satisfaction or a point where you're like, right, this is okay now? Yes, yeah. Once you've covered up all the obvious whoopsies, <laughs> then you're generally right. <laughs> There's often... Um, I, I quite like staircases and windows and things. Um, and so you've got this like bright space to sort of draw the eye up to the window or, you know, whatever it is. And I don't know, half the time, ink decides to just sort of leap from wherever it currently is into the window part and it's very hard to go backwards and brighten up a window that's gone too dark but the ink just it loves windows it would seem it's the darker the ink the better it's like if you get the black ink out it's like right i will leap this way <laughs> <laughs> 
And then, I mean, because sometimes you do things where you'll, you'll have like a building, but then you might have like some flowers in front of it or something. You do this bit of storytelling, don't you, that kind of adds an extra context. Is that a smart recovery tool? Is it because you're like, all right, I'm going to recover this. I'll put some daisies on it or something. Or is that always like part of the plan anyway? It's generally part of the plan, but generally it's... Um it often has a certain element of that there that you've stuck it up on the wall and gone, it's missing something. What's it missing? And you've just got these buildings in the background. Because again, I've got no no art background. So you don't necessarily think logical thoughts about, I could do with having something in the foreground. I will have these big black buildings in the distance. And oh, what am I going to do now? Because they look weird because they're big and black and imposing. But no, there's there's just nothing in between, you know, the horizon and me. Mm. So it'll sometimes be a, I'll just pop that one there to cover up the small whoops daisies. And other times it's sort of, you know, right, what can I do? Right, I think this needs something to bring it forward. So layer up some bits in the foreground. So a little bit of both, but yeah. <laughs> some of them are uh, definite whoops daisy coverers. <laughs> but then... Well, hey, that's part of the joy, I think. And then probably you're the only person who knows the whoopsie daisies, right? Probably, yes. And if I keep my keep my big mouth shut, it would be all right. <laughs> I could, so, so listen, my wife. I know she doesn't listen to this podcast because she's tired enough of listening to me anyway. She's got a great habit of whenever we make dinner, particularly if we make having dinner with some guests round, that as she's putting the dinner on the table, she'll do this thing where she tells people where it's gone a little bit wrong. And I'm always like, stop doing that because people are going to enjoy this because it's a home cooked meal. And she'd be like, I don't think there's enough salt in there. And you're like, well, now I think that as well. Thanks very much. Do you know what I mean? Do you have a habit? It yeah. feels like you've got a bit of a habit of that of kind of going. Mm. Mm. Oh, very much so. Would you like to buy this? Oh, don't look at this bit. Yeah. Oh, that's, oh, no, that's, oh, dear, no. On the frame. Oh, darling, no, I couldn't possibly. <laughs> yes, yes. I have to, um, yeah, pretty much fingers on lips and go. Mm, would you like it? I like it. I feel like you should almost, you know, like sometimes you'd get, I don't know, almost like this layer. You should have a cover over layer where you can go, this is Ruth's narrative. This is, these are all the bits. And then people can peel that off and be like, look at the marvellousness that I can't see. You know? <laughs> That's it. Just comes, it's like a director's commentary, something like that on a DVD. Isn't it? Do you know, I once, um, uh, my mother-in-law used to run an exhibition, which she used to kindly allow me to put some embroideries in. And I was walking up behind her and I was like, gosh, she's so good at selling stuff. I wonder what it is she's selling at the moment. And she was in this huge sort of like a wonderful, you know, spiel of, of things. And I went up and peered and I was like, that's one of my embroideries. This is good. This is. <laughs> Whereas I'd be like, here's a bird. Chaffinch? Uh, oh, is it Chaffinch? Yeah. Yeah, definitely Chaffinch. Yeah. It's on a stick. Do you want it? <laughs> that's interesting. She's a good storyteller. Or just... I don't know, well, because her husband's a sculptor, so I think she spent a lot of time being good at picking up the things that people wanted to hear, mm. and that's that's not me at all. Right. Um, and I have a, a, for example, photographing my embroidery is the thing I hate the most, and writing up the bits about it, mm -hmm. and it should be the big sort of triumphant finish of, you know, like, I'm going to make sure this photograph is absolutely brilliant. Mm. It's going to be the best. And the description... Oh, it's going to blow people's minds, and I generally have—I can't <laughs> take it much further than, "Well, it doesn't look terrible," and that'll do as a description. <laughs> and I know that's ridiculous because I put all the effort into making it look nice, 
and then go, eh, slightly dodgy photo. And everyone goes, we look so much better in real life. Like, I know, I know. <laughs> That's interesting though, is it? Because mm. sometimes, because the naming of things and the describing things quite hard, I sometimes wonder whether you need to lean into that, you know, and just be like, this piece is called well now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, always <laughs> be going, this piece is called, mm, look at that, would you? Look at that. I and mean, everybody else would just think yeah, it's like a cathedral that <laughs> that's been bombed, but you'll be like, yeah, that's what it's called about. Would you ever consider writing the descriptions like before you start or maybe before you start throwing the ink on things? Is there a bit where you could go, this is what this ought to be called before you have to start apologising? It's probably a good idea. It's probably a good idea, yeah. Uh, be an interesting experiment, yeah. wouldn't it? If you wrote it down, you know, as you start stitching and when the ideas are clearly, because you're just in that slow stitching kind of meditative space, write them down there and then at the end of the process, see how closely that fits considering you've thrown caution to the wind at some point yeah that, that, that's probably a good idea in fairness yeah uh <laughs> well i don't know oh no that bit was terrible oh no don't look at that wonder oh, there there's an awful bit there's a huge splodge there <laughs> that does make it sound like i have no clue what i'm doing but it's, <laughs> it's not all covering up the, the boo-boos it's not all that bad <laughs> No, that's what I mean. I think it's amazing. It's just quite interesting to see there's almost like this. There's, I don't know what it is, and I don't want to sound like I'm speaking out of turn, but it's almost like you refusing to believe that this piece of work is kind of amazing. Like some people would, you know, some people talk about amazing chaos or whatever, and you're like, you're not letting yourself do that. Mm. Oh, no, I, I'm terrible at that. Yes, I have. There's a, an exhibition in Swansea. Um, every year from like of local artists and you all it's, it's quite a like a big thing in the Glyn Vivian gallery it's a you know quite a big deal and I've owned, I've never plucked up the courage to do it until this year mm -hmm. and I've been sewing for 22 years living almost in Swansea that entire time well, living in Swansea for almost that time, rather than almost in Swansea. <laughs> almost living. <laughs> yes, I live near Swansea, sort of. Um, and this year was the first time I did it. And as soon as I walked in there, I nearly threw up on the desk <laughs> with my work. Mm -hmm. um, handed it over. And she said, oh, just take it in with the others. And I walked in and I was like, oh, what have you done? <laughs> These people are going to think you're such an idiot. <laughs> Uh, because no, I can't. I can't see past my. See what I was saying before about my own mind getting mm. in the way. It is mm. just mm. there. It's like a little monster on my desk that goes, "You're rubbish" all the time, yeah. <laughs> which is ridiculous. Because I mean, that's just sort of like my ego, but kind of the other way round. You know, like telling you that you're, you know, yeah. Anyway, that's, no, no, that's, no, no. Right. So I don't know. I don't know if I've said this before, but there's um. There's a guy called Seth Godin. He wrote a book called The Icarus Deception, which is this idea that like the story of Icarus is, you know, you fly too close to the sun, you're going to fall apart. It's all going to go pear-shaped. And he says that's a deception. And part of his principle is when your ego is telling you that you're failing and that you've never been such a big disaster because of what you're about to do, that's the point when you're growing the most because that's why those voices are there and why they're shouting at you. So that's huge to go and do a present... Like, when I first did stitching, this photo, I think somewhere I did some cross stitches that were based on like song lyrics and they were super basic. This was like 2006, something like that. And I remember sticking them on the wall of a little exhibition that was in my town and then pretty much hiding in a corner of the opposite side of the hallway, just waiting for people to shit themselves laughing so much at them, you know? 
and we've all been there and it's all part of the process but the thing is is now you've done it and you didn't throw up so it's like the next time around you'll <laughs> want to throw up marginally less but I bet I mean Yay. Did, you, did you yeah right go for a lot of throwing up I mean, go me <laughs> so then I mean the, how do you feel about the feedback that you get with your work then honestly that people are kind of just being nice to me <laughs> You've got to be nice to me because I'm here. Kind of thing. No. <laughs> um, which I know is ridiculous. I, I do really, I know it. But um, yeah, it's that sort of not paralyzing level of self-criticism and doubt, but not far away <laughs> did you, you, from just... Did you feel differently when you were doing birds? Hmm. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever thought about being a psychiatrist? <laughs> Nailing these things. But no, but again, <laughs> like it's interesting, isn't it? Because the birds isn't you putting your soul out there, but this other stuff is putting your soul out there. And so it just becomes really hard to accept that you're doing good stuff and that the the feedback's all genuine, isn't it? They're all, they're like, and they're, mm. they're quite, it's quite classic responses, those, aren't they? To just go, no, that can't be true. Can't be true, I see. Yes, yes. And I, I mean, even the birds. I mean, the reason I got into doing birds is because I did an Aztec bird. It took me ages to find out how to do the feathers. Um, and eventually I found, found a reasonable way of doing the feathers. So I did another one. And then I did another one. And I did another one. So that's that's the level of thought was which bird today. Mm. That's pretty. Mm. Basically. Yeah. So like you say, there was, there was none of me in it, I suppose. So, you know, people would criticise them and things and you wouldn't really care because you'd, you'd been there far before they had. <laughs> I mean, I suppose that's the same with anything. You know, I get, oh, you know, I like um, frayed edges and things and I've heard people, you know, like, oh, I couldn't live with those. I'd have to chop them off and things. And, you know, I, I don't... I've been worse to myself than you have, so you say what you want. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, then yeah. I haven't had much grief off the internet. So, I mean, I... There you go. And there. if ever there was a place where you were going to get grief because your work was rubbish, it would be the internet. I think that's what's fascinating. It would. Is I think, I think that you, you find your tribes, don't you? And you find the people who do like the kind of stuff and the people who can inspire you. I mean, did you? So when you did the exhibition, I mean, did you get any feedback from the work that you put up on display there? I only did it a few days ago. Okay. I only found out yesterday I was in. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So we're literally going through this now. Man, I wonder. Yeah, yeah. That's super exciting. Yeah, the, the feelings of nausea are only just subsiding. That's the best, though. You know, like I did um, a tea, when is it? A few years ago now, I was on like Radio 4, and that was something that was like really out of my comfort zone doing like live radio. It'd been a long time since I'd done something that, that was that kind of uncomfortable. And it was, in a way, it was kind of cool because I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to need a big poo because I'm this terrified of what's about <laughs> to happen, you know, have to have a word on myself and all those sorts of things. You know, that's, it is really like you are really bloody living it now. And now that you're like a formally exhibited artist by putting the thing on the wall yourself and all that kind of stuff, you know, that's so good. So good. One day you'll look back and be like, do yeah. you remember when I nearly threw up on a desk at my first exhibition? <laughs> You'd be like, and now I'm at the Museum of Modern Art in New York talking like this. For I think 
Of course, yes, with a big feather in my hat. There you go. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, I, I, I'd, do you know, once, um, three times I've tried to fill in the form before. Um, one, two, twice I chickened out because I couldn't, I couldn't, I knew they'd hate it. And once I couldn't afford the eight pounds entrance fee. <laughs> we were that broke. <laughs> So um, I was like, hey, right, I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to do it. Eight pounds. Oh, well, next year. <laughs> I mean, the thing is now, though, is you've done it now. So, you you know, you've not spontaneously combusted. The world is still no. ticking over or whatever. So next year it will be a bit easier, won't it? Oh, yeah. No, I'll be striding in next <laughs> year. <laughs> I'm going to be. Trying to be sick on myself oh, this year. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's so good. Yeah, honestly, I know it's. Like and I'm and I'm really not trying to sound condescending, but what you've done is like really incredible. To kind because of, kind of, it's not easy getting past that stuff, and it's not easy putting yourself out there. Do you know what I mean? And what's great about your work, like I say, is it's really it's really interesting. It's really dark. It's really depressing. It's really fascinating as a consequence of that. And I think that the fact that you've now got to this point of putting yourself out there is something you should be really chuffed with. And I'm not saying that to be nice. I'm saying that because that's like true. Because it's not easy. It's not easy. And you're doing it. That's amazing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I need to get over myself and just get on with it. Get out of your own way and keep making them. Yeah. In some ways. Amazing. Right. Exactly. Let's take yeah. a breather and go on to some nice, easy topics, shall we? I feel like. Because <laughs> that was good. I'm really good. That was right. amazing. Right. Okay. Easy questions. Are you ready? Because this, this first right. question I'm going to ask you is going to lead to a whole other conversation anyway. Do you have a favourite band? I have several, but yes, probably. I've had a lot of thinks about this question. <laughs> um, I like to overthink things that are really important like this. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> my favourite band would be Rammstein, but then we went to see them in Cardiff recently and I realised everyone around me was about the same age or older than me and I thought, oh... These people all look sort of quite old coming to this concert. And then I was like, oh, hang on a minute. Mm. Yeah, you're not 20 anymore, are you? <laughs> they, um, they put it in the Millennium, is it the Millennium Stadium it is now? Or whatever it's called, the big um, rugby stadium in Cardiff. Mm -hmm. And um, there were so many flames from the, uh, the stage that many people, because it's right in the centre of Cardiff, many people rang up saying that the stadium was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. It was just Rammstein doing their thing. God, I didn't realise they were still going. That's impressive. Because I kind of, so I used to be into like Guns N' Roses and stuff when I was a teenager. So never quite Rammstein, but definitely that kind of territory. But it's nice to know that yeah, they're still around. Yes. Yeah. 61 and still performing. God. And he's got his own band now as well. Till Lindemann, the singer under his own name but it's basically Rammstein with a different name because yeah it's fair to say you've got quite an aggressive musical taste isn't it uh, yes it's not the most aggressive but it is pretty aggressive yes <laughs> it's pretty up there because <laughs> um, in a way I'm glad as well I can't believe you've chosen a band I've actually heard of because at first I was like Leah I just don't know enough about metal she's going to come out with something like drainpipe angst and I'm going to be like oh yeah drainpipe angst <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I've got others for you if you want, but you've probably heard well, no, some, on, some of on. which you'll have heard of, some of which you haven't. Uh, well, the Nine Inch Nails, I mm -hmm. mean, most of my, my music sort of developed in sort of, well, I guess, roughly off at university, I suppose. 
Um, but then more recently, um, Kombi-Kreist, Eisbrecher, excuse my German, terrible pronunciation, Decreps, um, that kind of thing. They're all basically similar things. Um, a lot of them are kind of musical for metal. They're not they're not the, the really, really aggressive, discordant stuff, but I still enjoy that too. But they're not my favourite bands. And you listen nice to, to that stuff when contrast. you're working, don't you? Mm, yeah, and sometimes it occurs to me that I'm merrily stitching thousands and thousands of stem stitches all next to each other <laughs> listening to this really like music and that yeah so i mean yeah. is, is that the thing do you do you listen to the same music throughout a piece does the music change when you because you, it's almost like you have got these two phases in your working practice haven't you? you've got the stitching you've got the chaos do you listen to the same music throughout do you think like right now i'm in the chaos zone i need a bit of i don't know smooth jazz no, oddly, when it comes to chaos, it needs something proper meaty. It needs a good bit of aggression, that kind of bellowing along in the shower kind of <laughs> tune. Um, and then you kind of get all hyped up and ready and you're like, yes, I can do this. It's sort yeah, of like yeah, a yeah. pep talk. Yeah. <laughs> um, when the actual stitch, you know, sometimes I'll watch things as well, but it's generally stuff about bad things that have happened so um it's not exactly like it's it's uh, infused with cheery as i'm making them that's <laughs> all about it's all about i like that right excellent okay so uh do you have a favorite book i do but it's it's, it's another cheery tome <laughs> <laughs> um it's called Chernobyl, the History of a Tragedy mm. by some, oh, it's got a Russian name and this is not going to be pretty and I'm very sorry to them. Uh, Serhi Ploksky, something like that, but probably nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch? Yes, so hence my um, uh, uh, phase of uh, nuclear disaster pieces <laughs> did you watch the chernobyl tv show yes and did you feel like that yes, was that was pretty accurate based on what you know um it seemed to be a lot of lot of good crossovers yeah what well, good <laughs> terrible word to use in that circumstance but you know what i mean it did seem to be but um i wasn't exactly there with the book and the notebook and ticking facts off <laughs> on the list but um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought it was, was trying to ignore it. Yeah, I thought it was a great TV show. I didn't because it's one of those things. It was a thing that happened that then kind of becomes a bit mythical, doesn't it? And I'm aware that like modern nuclear technology is actually pretty decent, but everyone still thinks we're going to just Chernobyl every single time, don't they? They just think it's all going to go a bit pear shaped. Yeah, but then Fukushima was supposed to not go bang, wasn't it? And that did. That's true. Kind of. That's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you read a lot of books? Are you are you much of a reader? I feel like that would fit in with your ethos. It, I go through phases of it, yes. I go through phases of kind of doing crafty things in the evening and then um, I'll read some things in the evening and then I get like a terrible computer game and just be obsessive about that for a little while. Okay. And they'll be like, nope, nope, stop it, stop it, stop it. <laughs> um, and then, yeah. So I try and do things that are a bit more... Uh, less screen orientated, but it's like I say, you go through phases of stop, don't, don't, don't be a bad girl. <laughs> have you watched? Have you played the Last of Us? 
Uh, no, but James has. Mm. My husband has. He plays a lot of video games. Yeah. Yes. I feel like that's your landscape. There's a lot of that kind of stuff, isn't there? I've not even seen the TV show. I'm not sure I'm quite ready for that because I'm a bit of a big girl's blouse. So uh, it's supposed <laughs> to be a bit scary, isn't it? I'm not like... <laughs> <laughs> it was good, yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it was good. Mm. I think I'll probably um, will get to it. But as I say, I'll probably more likely watch Bluey than that. Um... <laughs> yeah, I guess you don't get much opportunity for that kind of thing. <laughs> Not at the moment. That's a bit controversial. Children, this is a sort of death demon. You might like it. Just talk about it's show and tell. Um, what was the last good film? Do you have a favourite film? I do, and it's a um, it's a film that makes me cry like a girl. It's a really strange thing. Um, it's Into the Wild, and it's. Um, about a chap who just pushes off into the middle of nowhere and with no money, no nothing, and just does his thing, Chris McCandless. Yeah. And it's, I think, I get torn, basically, between... Um, I know that I couldn't do it yet, but my soul, I think, my inside somewhere wants to just push off into the middle of nowhere and grow my own vegetables and live, you know, stick two fingers up to the world and disappear. <laughs> but um, I'm not quite ready for that yet. We, we keep trying. Hmm. We move house every now and again and try and move off into the middle of nowhere and then we miss things and hmm. come back. That's what the boat was all about. Yeah, really. I was going to say, yeah, you lived on a narrow boat. And I mean, in, in many ways, that's a pretty stripped back way of living. No, definitely, and that that happened because our um, our next door neighbour, who was younger than us, was happily leading his normal life one day, and he just dropped dead down the stairs. Um, and that was kind of like, right, well, if we're going to do something, perhaps we should do it now. Mm. Um, so we did, but we again quite weren't quite ready. It's got a lovely combination of um, out in the middle of nowhere, mm. but then you can sail off and be right in the middle of Birmingham. Mm. Um, but it. Uh, it doesn't necessarily travel all of the nicest parts of a city, mm. should we say? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and they tell you, for example, when you move on to a boat, and this, this is not, I'm not saying this is the same for everybody because it had lots and lots of lovely things about it, but they tell you um, to put a terrible lock on your on your canal boat because at least when you get broken into, they won't do much damage. <laughs> <laughs> That's and somebody we were talking to had had their generator stolen while they were using it, <laughs> that kind of thing. But there's lots of lovely aspects to it. There's lots of, there's quite a sort of nice community sort of slightly anti-authoritarian mm. vibe to it. Mm. There's, I probably shouldn't say this, but there's a guy who travels around making his own homebrew and he sells you a milk bottle of whatever it is. It is. <laughs> and you don't think he's, uh, he's entirely um, paying all the tax, shall we say, on the... Uh, <laughs> Alcohol in question. <laughs> What's good about the homebrew so, is not know, only does it get you drunk, but it'll bring your paintwork up a treat if you scrub the outside. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, your vision deteriorates dramatically, but other than that... <laughs> yeah, you're talking to your spirit guide, so you don't really mind. It all works out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when, uh, so when my uh, first stag do... I've been married twice. And I still am the second time. I don't know if that's the right phrasing. But I had a sort of stag do the first time around. And 
we just sat for two days by a canal lock, just watching the boats coming past and just being a bit drunk and a bit whatever. Um, I've always, I always really liked just the canal vibe because it's, it's a funny thing because it's like a segment of society that's different. You get your townies, you get your country folk, and you do get your canal folk, and they are definitely different, and they are a bit more like tuned in. I think because you're so close to the water, aren't you? Like you look out your window and you're about three inches higher than the level of the canal a lot of the time and stuff, isn't it? It's a real... Yeah. You, you wake up in the morning to what we used to call machine gun ducks because right. they're um, pecking all the um, like the, the gunk off the outside of your boat and you just hear digga 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 and you're like, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> What's gone wrong with it now? <laughs> Have you still got and, the um, boat or did you no, kind of sell that? No. No, we we sold that. Um, we uh, yeah, there there was a um, we bought it purely based on its name, <laughs> which wasn't ideal, really. Completely heart overhead purchase, and when we came to sell it, uh, it was very obvious that it was a heart overhead purchase, oh, and the thing was somewhat mangled. But uh, we didn't care because it was called Warspite. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> and it turned out it was a former submarine. Um, wow. <laughs> apparently, during uh, the uh, the British Navy were trying to get people to uh, sign up, so they built four replica um, vehicles, I suppose. Uh, so basically, uh, a, a modified submarine aircraft ca- carrier, all these other other things. I can't remember quite what. Um, uh, based around a narrowboat kind of hull. And ours was the um, was the submarine, wow. apparently. So they, it didn't look anything like a submarine afterwards, but was called Warspite, which is apparently a traditional Royal Navy name. I had a really weird experience. I don't know when it was, like a couple of years ago. We were walking along the canal near here, and a boat came along that was called Flora. And Flora is the name of my oldest daughter. And for a laugh, we were like, because I've got two daughters and the other one's called Annie. And we were like, wouldn't it be funny? Imagine if a boat came along that was called Annie. It bloody did. The next boat that came (laughs) along was called Annie. So we've got photos of the two of them in front of these boats. And I swear I spent the rest of the day with my head spinning out, just being like, why did she just happen then? Was that like some nexus (laughs) of possibility or something? Because it was like, what are the chances of having two boats with your daughter's names anyway, let alone they just come along next to each other? that's mad isn't it i love it i love it and <laughs> I, start, you know, start wishing for a million pounds or I something swear, see if I it turns out. God, we were like that we were like let's play a lottery ticket that's true no i love i love narrow boats i realize it's, like, it's difficult for me because i'm quite large and narrow boats and me aren't great you know friends or whatever but i love like i love the typography on narrow boats because it's kind of got mostly got that kind of grateful dead kind of drop shadowy kind of vibe about it and all those sorts of things i just love them i think they're great yeah, there was a lot of amazing things about it. I mean, just opening the doors and, and just seeing all the you know the beautiful scenery around you. It was it was it was really really was lovely. And the you know the back to basics of you know washing your undies in a bucket with you know and um, collecting your own firewood and all that kind of stuff was it really was a lovely lovely thing. But um, we I don't think quite ready. Give it a few years, maybe we'll be ready. <laughs> I mean, the good thing now is you can Uber Eats at McDonald's in a heartbeat. So <laughs> exactly, <laughs> Just come completely full circle, don't we? Right. Yeah. One more question then. Uh, what's an interesting mm. fact about Ruth Norbury that nobody really knows? Do you know I struggled so much with this? 
again uh, overthinking the important things in life mm. <laughs> um, the the only things I could come up with was I've just got um, a brown belt in karate, which oh, I was wow. very excited about. Being particularly quiet and shy as an individual and mm -hmm. shouting in a room full of people, which you have to do quite a lot, or performing almost on your own, really not in my comfort zone at all. So that's that was reasonable. The only other thing I can think of is that I am currently in the process of writing some of my own music with um, an electric recorder in my own guitar work. But that's uh, not really very interesting. I'm trying to, I can't think. People just know stuff about me. No, sorry, that is very interesting. I'm, I'm, I'll challenge you. So you're making your own music. That's cool. Is the music, yes. is there any connection between the music and your art? Or are they very different? Uh, it probably is, ultimately, yes. Um, it's 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 generally very cheerfully themed. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody said to me, "Oh, why don't you make something about like the sea or something?" You live in Swansea; it's right by the sea. And I'm like, "Oh, uh, 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 sirens—they kill people. Yeah, that'll do. I'll make it about sirens." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you sort of hear yourself, and you think, mm, "What odd fish!" <laughs> That's your art. That's your art. I love it. I can feel like I feel like if we spin forward, if we have a conversation in twenty thirty four, you'd have written this opera that goes along with these like fifteen foot high pieces of work that you've made, where the blood splatters are real. No, not necessarily real, but no, I love yes. that. And you do karate. <laughs> I'd love to do um, that. That would be something that would be epic, but I'd never have the balls to do it. Is to have um, like a, an old abandoned church and have a huge like exhibition in there. I think that'd be amazing. But um, you got the balls to do it. Do you know? Because the thing is, is like you spend all of your time fighting against your own insecurities and coming out the other side. So I just think you just got to stick at it. It might start off with yeah. like a small altar on the side of a tiny building or something or maybe you'll just do it in a phone box that's disused in the first place you know start start with small decay and work your way up to the oh, grand yeah. scale yeah only a little bit of smelling of we in the phone yeah, box yeah 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 maybe <laughs> like an old shoe box that's in a puddle and you're like well i'll put a bit of needlework Ooh. in there first and then when you've That'll when you've nice. not thrown up on yourself over that one then you can move on to the next thing <laughs> Now, honestly, like you're yeah, exactly that. You're a lot greater than you give yourself credit for, and I think the fact that you're still doing it and the fact you're putting yourself out there is uh, a testament to your resilience. Well, you're very kind. I think there's a there's this twisted bit of me that wants to continue with it, even when my brain's going, "Oh, I'm not very good at this." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Welcome to the yeah. Daily battle of my mind. There you go. That's <laughs> the uh, that's the artist. That's the war of art. I think is what you get. Have you read the war of art? No. Yeah, go and get it by Stephen Prestbury, I want to say. I'm pretty sure that entirely sums up the conflict that you're going through. Because it's all about that. It's just about like the artistic way and the battles that you have to fight with yourself to get there. Because you're fighting those battles and now you've got a brown belt in karate. So those battles days are yes. numbered. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love that. Uh, hey, Ruth. Thanks for having a needle exchange with me. Thank you for having me. It's been lovely. <laughs> really nice to have a chat. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.
Thanks for joining me on another Needle Exchange. I hope you enjoyed the show. I'd love to hear from you, so feel free to email hello at needle.exchange. That's N-W-E-D-L dot exchange with any thoughts, comments, or feedback. And if you want to keep up with all the news, sign up to the Needle Exchange mailing list at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash needle exchange. See you next time.